Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm the Sam and Sam Says, and today we are welcoming back one of our tried and true podcast guests, Laura Minzer, president of the Illinois Life and Health Insurance Council, and one of my dear friends to help us break down health insurance laws that just passed and sort of wrap up our 2023 legislative session. Laura had a very busy session, so I'm so thrilled that she's here with us. Laura, it's so good to have you back. Thanks, Sam. It's so good to be back. I always enjoy talking with you, uh, and it's good to be on this side of the legislative session. So um, this is good. I'm <laughs> looking forward to it. Yes. And I will just say to our listeners, I, I've been joking with Laura all year long or all session long, which is the whole calendar year so far, really. <laughs> that it's sort of been her time in the hot seat. Like normally Medicaid, because it's about a third of the state budget, just takes up so much oxygen in Springfield that that's really the healthcare focus by and large. And there are some other pieces, but Medicaid tends to be a busy program, if you will, down in Springfield. And this year, oh, there was a lot on the health insurance (laughs) side. There was, and I covered the live space too, and there was a lot on that side as well. So yeah, we we had a very active session, um, but all good. <laughs> and if, why don't you, so I lived it with you, or at least watched you live mm-hmm. it and just thought, oh, you know, you're busy, that's for sure. Can you just sort of run our listeners through like everything? Sure. I so I passed. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we... To, to be clear, we always have, I mean, health insurance is always a very um, uh, beloved <laughs> policy issue. Um, it's how you term that and how people look at that. We look at it a little differently, but it's very active. It usually is. And typically, and when we see it, it's the coverage mandate. It's, it's you know, it's, it's definitely things about how um, insurers utilize cost savings tools. It might take issue with. Um, but this year, I would say, um, and we, we'll talk about and break down a little more, there were really two one of, two of the biggest policy issues that, you know, in recent history that we have faced and we face them together. Um, and they're somewhat intertwined, uh, that being um, the revisiting of uh, a, the establishment of a state-based health insurance exchange. You know, the last time Illinois, from a policy perspective, had looked at this or ventured into uh, legislation that would set this up was um, back uh, uh, over 10 years ago when the ACA, uh, of course, first opened the exchanges in 2014, Illinois was among a handful of states contemplating that. It was a lot of conversation, um, uh, some of the same players involved in the conversation at that time, uh, but it just never got off the ground. Uh, and actually very few states did move forward in establishing their state-based exchange at that time. Um, and here we are this year, um, we we saw that legislation again. It looked a little bit differently, but essentially what happened, and we can dive a little more deeply into it, but uh, Illinois or the General Assembly did uh, advance in the waning days and really waning hours of the legislative session, 
authorizing legislation to transition the state from the federally facilitated marketplace that we have in place today to a state-based exchange by the year 2026 or plan year 2026. Now, there's some interim steps in between, but that was a pretty major step forward. And it not only has implications for um, the ACA marketplace, so how people gain access to individual and small group health insurance plans primarily, in that marketplace, but also, you know, what impact and what does it mean for potential reform conversations um, in that, you know, bumps up against uh, the Medicaid population and people coming off of Medicaid and into the ACA marketplace and so on and so forth. So it definitely opens the doors for a lot of different conversations going forward. And it's the first step that will, you know, begin this process. So Illinois passed the authorizing legislation the state still has to submit a letter of intent, a blueprint application to federal CMS to get the conditional approval, the approval necessary in order to begin this process. So there's a lot of steps that need to happen between now and then, um, but that is the first step forward. And it was a pretty major one. Absolutely. And I should have been more clear. You're always busy. You were just busy with lots of Big, big thing. Yeah, just major policy issues that, you know, we're, we're again, very, very large, <laughs> very impactful uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, not that to say that those other pieces aren't, but uh, I think, you know, of our two biggest issues, we saw both of those, one being the state-based exchange, which I mentioned, but the other uh, was a revisiting of an issue that has been around for over 10 years and kind of perennially or annually been resurfaced, but this year got a lot of traction. And that is, how do you regulate health insurance rates in the individual and small group market? So how are those rates set? I like to say, what is the regulatory framework in place in order to make sure those rates are um, adequate and reasonable uh, to serve the the consumer base? So um, when we can you know, dive a little more deeply into what that looks like, but it has tremendous implications, I think, for, you know, how we have or how we the insurance or health insurance uh, industry primarily in that that market has interacted with our regulator, the Department of Insurance. So and that uh, not surprisingly lines up with transition to the state based exchange and how that changes. So those are very much intertwined um, and became intertwined as we discussed them over the course of the session. So a lot of difficult conversations. And, and just a lot, you know, not only the hard di- di- discussions and hard sort of, you know, conversations is there are so many stakeholders because it's never just uh, like, you know, on the Medicaid side, it's never just HFS and the Medicaid health plans. It's mm-hmm. always all like providers and stakeholders. And what does this mean for people on the ground? And, you know, sometimes we all have different perceptions and different preferences um, and vantage points. And that makes it difficult to sort of just have a conversation because we're coming at it all from different places and it takes yeah. time. And then the other thing is with both of these these are huge shifts from how we've done, you know, how we've handled health insurance mm-hmm. in Illinois. And that means yeah. there's a lot of nuance, right? Like if somebody ever says, you know, hey, how do you feel about Medicaid covering X, Y, or Z? I mean, the answer is it depends, right? Like, yeah. how do we do it? What? Do, how do we operationalize it? Do we have providers to provide it? Like, you know, there's always, you know, 
it's the end goal of making sure that health insurance is available and affordable to Illinoisans is our collective goal, right? Like Mm -hmm. everybody's at that table wanting the same thing, but you all have different, you sort of, you know, you know, the inner workings of different things. And so you're bringing a different vantage point to that discussion. Yes. No, absolutely. You know, I think the, I would like to say the overarching, the, the common theme amongst all the stakeholders, no matter our varied perspectives on how you get there is, you know, we want to make sure that the market is thriving and is there and, and accessible to consumers uh, so that they can, you know, gain access, whether under Medicaid or the private health insurance market, but they have access to not only the coverage, but also the healthcare services they need. Um, I mean, that is, you know, fundamentally, I think what, no matter what, nobody can argue with that premise, but it's how you get there um, that, you know, those nuances come in and and solutions can look very differently uh, to different groups. Certainly from our perspective, I think we have different thoughts on that. So it definitely was, uh, again, a lot of conversations, some with the same stakeholders at the tables. Uh, sometimes it looked a little differently. Um, but ultimately, you know, I would say this was a heavy lift uh, all around um, from from those that supported both of those measures to those that worked to try to get there, such as ourselves, um, not necessarily supporting, but getting to places where we felt more comfortable uh, with the provisions that were in place. Um, but I think, you know, as I like to say, that's sort of the beginning of the, the real work and some of the difficult work actually will begin, particularly as it relates to the state-based exchange. You know, and as you and I have talked um, specifically before, you know, it's coming at a time which I, I totally understand in terms of the thought process of, uh, you know, going this route. So the question was, the overarching question is why now? Why are we doing this now? Um, Illinois has enjoyed probably the most, you um, in terms of the, the number of carriers that are participating on the health insurance exchange today, even though it's federally facilitated, we're at about 11. I think we were 11 last year, last plan year. That is among the most. We've seen growth in that market. So the question comes, well, why, you know, why are we shifting that? Um, and I can think from the administration's perspective, their rationale was that, well, you know, there's a lot we can do that we were unable to do during a different administration at the federal level um, during a public health emergency. There's not, we don't have the, the, the ability to be the master of our own destiny in this respect. And looking down the road, we want those that ability. As you're looking to Medicaid redeterminations um, coming into the fold, what, July 1st, um, obviously the transition to the state-based exchange is a little bit far afield from that occurring. But those were all front of mind and the churn that is going to occur that has been occurring for some time, particularly as it relates to the Medicaid population, I think definitely, um, you know, uh, is played into it a lot. Um, And of course, we can have a whole nother podcast or series of podcasts around this notion of, well, then once you do that is, you know, how do we keep affordability in the system? And I think that was definitely the talking point that was used both with the reasons for transitioning to a state-based exchange and the reasons for transitioning to a prior approval type of mechanism for health insurance rates beginning in 2026. Um, we would suggest that you know getting to affordability is a much larger conversation. Uh, premiums are simply reflective 
of what is happening in the marketplace with the, what are the costs in the system? How much does it cost you to go to the doctor, the hospital, uh, your, to get your prescription drugs, um, you know, the, the benefits that are covered or required to be covered under your health insurance plan. Among many other reasons, those are all factors that, you know, play into what a premium set. It's, it's premiums can't just magically drive down costs. They, um, so that is a, that is a much larger conversation and we look forward to having that at some point. Um, but I think again, just if I, there was one takeaway that I could say is that while it is important that I think this lays the groundwork for reforms going forward and we'll have lots of difficult conversation around what those reforms are, um, <clears throat> affordability is not going to be achieved simply by passing these two, two big policy um, uh, pieces of legislation. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm so glad you sort of tied this all together for us because I think there's so much, you know, and we'll have to dive into more um, discussion at some point around what a state-based marketplace can do and what that would mean for Medicaid. Because from my vantage point, and obviously this year it won't be in place, and this year is the year we're talking about because it's so big, we do mm. redeterminations every year, right? Like every month, pre-public health emergency, at least 40,000 members came on of Medi on to Medicaid and 40,000 went off. And so I think one of the administration's goals was how do we make that easier for people? Um, and how do we have sort of a better communication? Um, and, and today we don't. Um, today, if you fill out the, you know, get covered Illinois, sort of you go onto the exchange, you fill out your income stuff and you're eligible for Medicaid, you're told to go somewhere else. And there have been challenges with the income calculator, if you will, mm -hmm. there sending you to Medicaid when really you shouldn't be at Medicaid. And then people just sort of get caught in this horrible like back and forth when all they want is healthcare. And so I do think the idea for the administration is how do we fix all of that and cut through all of that noise? Um, and I think that's a win. I think how you do it and how do you make sure that like you don't break anything while you're doing it and how do we get the technology in place? Like all of that's complicated, but the end goal there, I think is something we all agree on. Yeah. Um, and then when you talk about healthcare affordability, oh, we talk about this so much in the Medicaid space. But I, I mean, I think we're just having this conversation as a nation. I think NPR just did a story um, on a, a father of a bride came to the U.S. and he had an, you know, for the wedding, and he had an emergency appendectomy while he was here, and he was he's from Sweden, and so we didn't have, you know, we didn't have American health insurance for obvious reasons, and Sweden paid twice what they would pay if he had an appendectomy in Sweden, which was $6,000. And his hospital bill, I think was like 40,000 or more. And so he sort of stuck with this very large bill. And, you know, it's just sort of, and, and apparently I didn't know this, but like Sweden reimburses more than a lot of other European countries for healthcare. And so it's just like, you can get an appendectomy for $3,000. Like we can't get an appendectomy for $3,000. And there's a lot of different reasons, you know, and, and I'm not trying to like, you know, I love our hospital friends. Like I, I, there are just so many different reasons, but like that also drives up premium costs, right? Mm -hmm. Like that drives up the cost of healthcare because if you're spending $50,000 or $46,000 on an appendectomy instead of three, like, 
it costs more. Like it just costs more. You got to find that $43,000 somewhere. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, uh, nobody can deny that, uh, costs in the United States as an industrialized nation are amongst the highest The data is out there to, to support that in spades. Um, and that, you know, unfortunately outcomes are not, uh, what they would suggest they are with, with how much we're paying for that. And again, that's, that's a topic we can spend, uh, probably a year's worth of series on. Um, it's a, it's a fascinating topic. It's difficult. Um, um, and that will, I think, you know, certainly any one state can't tackle that alone. That's a broader conversation um, and, and a, a difficult one at that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Laura, I'm so glad that you, first of all, I just were able to survive this session. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's always so, so lovely working with you. So I'm so oh, glad God. that you were able to join us. Uh, today and sort of recap and educate all of our listeners on all that's going on in the health insurance space because it matters to us. It you know it's one healthcare ecosystem, and so it definitely impacts the work that we do in the Medicaid space. Yeah, no, I'm always happy to come talk with you, Sam, and I always enjoy our conversation. And likewise, right back at you, you definitely um, for all your listeners and the members that you represent for Sam, you have a true leader that she does a fantastic job of navigating some difficult issues. Um, and uh, it's always nice to have a a friend and a fellow warrior in the trenches at times. So, <laughs> oh, and we are in the trenches sometimes. Oh, Laura, thank you yeah. so much. And to yeah. our listeners, to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.org. And don't forget to like and follow us and Ilhip on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I'm Samantha Oldsbry, the Sam and Sam says. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.